goodness towards us, Lord. What an honor and a privilege it is to be before you, Lord. We're here tonight to do that, Lord, to bless your name and to give thanks and express our gratitude, Lord. We just pray that through your word now, Lord, you'll strengthen our inner man, draw us close to your heart, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 41. I'm not real sure um, what was going on in David's life and what inspired this circumstance. I'm of the opinion just by reading through it and thinking about it, um, he was probably older, uh, had been established in his kingdom, and it, this actually could have been written after the time of uh, his <laughs> son Absalom had sought to take the throne. And it, there's betrayal mentioned here. Um, there's sickness and accusation. And how David processes this is really interesting to me. And he sort of couches all of his suffering, if you will, in the blessedness of God's presence. And how God rewards the righteous and he looks upon their situation, and he considers us. And as we take on his nature and his character, he rewards us for that, for allowing his spirit to come into us and to transform us, and and really begin to see things his way and to have his his heart towards things. And so, just thirteen short verses here uh, this evening. Uh, Father, we ask your blessing upon your word. It is rich, it is deep, it is strengthening to our souls, Lord. Bless us with it tonight, in Jesus' name. Blessed is the he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. He will be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. You will sustain him on his sickbed. I said, Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. My enemies speak evil of me. When will he die and his name perish? And if he comes to see me, he speaks lies. His heart gathers iniquity to itself. When he goes out, he tells it. All who hate me whisper together against me. Against me they devise my hurt. An evil disease, they say, clings to him. And now that he lies down, he will rise up no more. Even my own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. But you, O Lord, be merciful to me, and raise me up, that I may repay them. But this I know, that you are well pleased with me, because my enemy does not triumph over me. As for me, you uphold me in my integrity, and set, before your fa- set me before your face forever. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen.
he begins the psalm with the word blessed and he ends the word that the the psalm with the word blessed and and sometimes we just sort of skip over that you know we we use it quite a bit actually in our our language you know oh and I, that really blessed me you know <laughs> I mean, it's just but do you ever think about the 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 magnitude of that word um you know it, you know it, it literally means to be endowed with divine favor i mean god looks upon someone and gives them or shows them an act of kindness and you know i think years ago max lucado in some of his writings he called it um sacred delight you know you 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 experience a sacred delight to be blessed means to experience sacred delight i thought that that was i think that's a really precious way of of framing that word thinking about it and we truly are blessed by god but what david is expressing here uh is god's blessing upon those who look at the poor and the needy the way he does with the with a compassionate eye with a caring heart and and in allowing his spirit to regenerate that character within us there's a reward there's you know it's the sowing and reaping we understand that you know if we sow to the wind we'll reap the whirlwind but if you sow good seed you get good harvest and this is one of those areas that if you really take on a compassionate heart and you you look with compassion upon the needy look at the four things that he goes he lists here in the first four verses actually of uh, the one who does uh, consider the poor and so shall, shall we describe poor you know the the people who are helpless the people who are powerless think of think of the widows think of the orphans think of the people who've been disenfranchised who've had serious financial reversals and they've gone from rag you know riches to rags instead of rags to riches it's the it's the other reversal that's the, you know the wrong the wrong direction those kind of people they're no longer in a position to actually even find uh, what they need to to take care of themselves, but the four things that uh, in this is you know is God looks upon us in as fallen creatures with mercy, and we obtain mercy, and He God expresses that to the soul uh, by deliverance. The Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. He'll rescue us. I think the older I get. And I I still do a lot of physical work. Um, I find myself, Lord, help me with this, would you, Lord? <laughs> I know I work by myself a lot. And so I get myself in some predicaments on occasions. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, usually, uh, you know, I've got the advantages of experience now, so I can avoid a lot of that. But there's still, you know, this things happen. And I find myself ca- calling upon his name. I mean, it could be even hanging a real valuable picture or... Um, you know, something's going to fall on my head or, you know, it's all kinds of things that can get myself into trouble. But, you know, I have full confidence, and I've seen the Lord do this so many times in my life over the years. When I call upon his name and his mercy, he helps me. Whew, that was close. Wow. You know, so there's rescue, man. Isn't that a wonderful thing that we can call upon the name of the Lord? Lord, help me. He's right there, man. He's right there. I love it. You know, everybody, everybody wants to be rescued when you're in a situation of danger. You know, I remember years ago, uh, my family, the kids were little um, at that time, and we were flying back to Charleston, and we hit one of those 
cloudbusters. I mean, lightning all around, and literally, we hit. We must have hit one of those pockets where we like dropped. It felt like I have no idea how far we dropped. It felt like fifty feet, but it could have been ten feet. Didn't matter at that point. But I remember the the poor stewardess was standing beside me, and and I have no idea why I did this, but I reached out and I just I grabbed her by the waist and held her tight to the floor. And then she quickly, she she was, she was gasped so loud because, I mean, it was, boom! Do you remember this? It was like, it was frightening. And she quickly sat down, buckled up, and she's panting. She's just beside herself. She goes, oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Because it would have, it would, I think she probably would have hit the, you know, hit the hit her head on the ceiling or something. What, I have no idea. But I'm sure, I just, I think it was the Holy Spirit. Just She needs help. <laughs> you know? Deliverance. Everybody wants to be rescued when they're in dangerous, threatening situations. If you live in Africa, you're just glad the Lord's there when the rhinos or the hippos come or the lions come, you know, that kind of thing. We have that. The second thing is protection. Uh, uh, The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. So there's, you know, they sort of go together here. You know, I've singled them out, protection and preservation. You know, um, the, the idea of protection is God watching over us. He's guarding us. Do you, do you look at your life? Now, now you, if you've raised children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Your job as a parent is to watch those people. Those little people have, have no clue what they can get themselves into. And in our culture and with our stuff that we have available, it can happen really quick and it can be really bad. You know, and I'm saying, you know, stuff beyond sticking the fork in the outlet. That's bad, but there are a lot worse things. But that's our job. We guard those little people. We look over them. We watch over them. And But God does that for us. You know, I just don't know how stupid I am. <laughs> I am a sheep. Sheeps go astray. Sheeps just get eating and pretty soon they wander off where they go and then where do they get over here? You know, you're just in trouble. And so there's that preservation and protection. The idea, obviously, of preservation is, is you know, he gives us what we need to nurture our souls and to uh, the, just that continual care. Just think in terms as a parent and child. It's, it's that kind of thing. And then uh, the fourth thing um, is restor- restoration. And... Um, you know, he talks about being healed, um, strengthened, strengthened in on his bed of illness. You know, we have. I don't. I think this. I know this COVID thing. I get the flu thing. Yes, that's been. But there's been a lot of other things going on in our church. We've got people with leukemia. We've got people with cancer. We've had uh, disability. You know, diseases that happen to elderly and Alzheimer's. I mean, just, just, just cruel cruel things that can happen as you age. And yet God has seen fit people with diabetes, you know, those kinds of things. I mean, the Lord, he's been really good this year, despite all what's going on. And we think about that's one of the blessings of being a child of God. So when you get sick, isn't that one of the first things you do is pray? I do. Okay, Lord, is this from you or is this from the enemy, right? <laughs> you know, he's trying to discern where this is coming from because, you know, he can. the enemy gets in there on occasion. You know, there's afflictions that can come that way. 
Or is it just, it's just, I caught something. It's just a natural thing being in a fallen environment. But I want to discern the, the, the where it's coming from so I, then I can maybe, you know, know how to pray, know how to treat it, type of thing. But the point is that I go to the Lord with it. I think God cares about our physical health. God, God really does. He cares about that. But I think also healing in this case, as we'll see here, is more than just physical. I mean, God does care about our outer man. But, I, but when, when the Bible talks about being healed by his stripes, that's the effects of sin. It, our spirits get scarred. Our psyche gets scarred. And we need continual renewal and healing. And that's what the presence of God does. And um, and really, when we think about restoration and its manifestation, we should look at <clears throat> that it really, in, in, rea- in reality, is an expression of grace. He is just showing his loving kindness. We're blessed, if you will. And so, you, have you noticed, and I'm sure you have, but have you noticed that when it comes to healing, it's connected with confession? Somehow, uh, pain has a way of bringing us around to like, I don't like the one I don't really appreciate too much is in Proverbs. The blueness of a wound cleanses away evil. You know, when I when I really hurt myself, like okay, what did I do wrong? <laughs> you know, we we equate pain with punishment, and of course our hearts condemn us because we aren't perfect. So we equate, okay, I must be being paid back. This is this is the. This is due to my rotten attitude or whatever. And so, you know, the blueness of a wound cleanses away evil. I can't help but think that's what the guy was thinking about, is it brings the evil that he's guilty of or guilt to the surface when I suffer pain. Now, I don't know that that's true <laughs> all the time, right? It's, a, it's definitely true on occasion. <laughs> you know, we call the, the world calls that karma, payback, right? We don't call it that. There's a, there seems to be the natural connection there. But what does James 5 tell us when it comes to healing? Is anyone, 5.13, is anyone among you suffering? On occasion, yes. <laughs> let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. If anyone is sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man of the nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the air of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And so there is this connection with healing and confession and sin and all those things that come together with you know, pain in our life. And this is uh, the wonderful expression of God's grace when he heals us and he forgives us and he sets us aright. And back on the path. So that's something that we can expect from God because he, um, again, this is just a reflection upon David 
who had a big heart. He did care for the poor. He was very considerate um, of the poor. And, you know, um, Mephibosheth was sort of disenfranchised because his relatives, uh, he was of the line of Saul, and, and they got taken out because of, you know, the, the sin and all. And David brought him in and treated him with kindness for uh, the commitment that he had made to Jonathan, Saul's son. So he, he, there's expressions of David caring f- for the poor. And um, w- w- there's no, you know, there are those who think that it's maybe more spiritual to be poor. I don't believe that. And neither should you. You know, they're, uh, and, they, and they get that because, you know, he who is poor can be rich in faith. Uh, so, you know, I get that part, you know. And maybe that's an expression to the when we go on the mission trips, you know. Uh, you go to Africa, and they don't have very much. So they, they then they come to church, they're coming believing God because they have no place else to go. They don't have the means. They don't have the ability, and they just have to trust. So I get that part of it. But as a general thing, poverty uh, comes upon people. People become poor um, they can they can have health issues that lead to their to a disability where they can't you know work and produce. Uh, they can have like I mentioned before financial reversal. Um, sometimes poverty comes because people are you know they're just lazy. They just they'd rather you know mooch off other people and they just they they don't want to do you know pull their uh, carry their load so to speak. And so there's different reasons, you know, and, and the Lord laid out different things in um, in the Old Testament because, you know, as Jesus said, you the poor you have with you always. So there's always going to be the poor in society and, and around. And those of us, and I'd probably say everyone in, in our church for sure is not poor. So we, there are people of less means than ourselves and so if someone is really in need, it's, it's, it's put upon us uh, to help the poor. Now, that doesn't mean when someone comes up to you in the parking lot and you're getting ready to go into the big box store or wherever you're going to go, and they start hitting you up for money, that you're obligated to give them money because they're poor. Well, most of those people are just, you know, well, what should we say? <laughs> they're just good at begging and putting themselves in a position where they uh, can con you. I wouldn't say that they're poor. You know, I don't want to get into that, really. It just, I've just, it's, I seem to be a magnet for people like that. <laughs> I remember not too long ago, we were sitting down in downtown here in Greenville in a little patio area in between the restaurants and the stores and the chair, the tables and chairs and the skateboarders and people carry carry on and, and all. And we're sitting down there one evening and somebody just comes up to me. I mean, there's like hundreds of people around here. You, me? You're asking me for money. Do I look like a money tree to you? You know, I just, and so my friends, and my wife was in on this too, they just thought it was hilarious. That this, you know, so I took the guy in and got him a sandwich and goodbye. I had no sooner sat down, within 10 minutes, another guy comes up to me. Did that guy go tell that guy? I mean, what happened here? And so I've had this thing over my life that I seem to get hit up. You know, is it my truck? No. My truck's 17 years old. No, it's not my truck. You know, what is it? <laughs> anyway, I've had to deal with the poor 
And sometimes if I want to get somebody off my back and they're poor, you know, just give them 50 bucks and, and they promise to pay it back. Well, then I know I'll never see him again. So that works. Uh, so sometimes you can get rid of annoyance by giving them money. Uh, don't tell them that, though. But uh, it does happen. But um, the idea of helping the poor, you know, and, and so like they were not allowed, or were not allowed, they were, they were given a way to make an offering to the Lord uh, of lesser value. You know, an oxen or a lamb is a pretty expensive thing. You know, that's that's giving a lot when you went to the tabernacle and, and, you know, offered your sin offering. They were allowed, you know, pigeons and turtle doves and, you know, those kinds of, you know, grain offerings. You know, it was each according to their means. And so um, the Lord uh, had specific laws in Leviticus that you're not to exploit the poor. I mean, the guy's down and out, and now you're gonna you're gonna work him or make him a slave and 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 oppress him. I mean, the Lord does not took, take that lightly, and um, and you see in our culture now, and we we become economic slaves to some degree at, at all different levels. But the oligarchy and the extremely wealthy have enslaved us through their you know their tricks. But God is watching that. God watches over the oppressors, and there will be a day and a time that that oppression will be judged. And so, uh, but those, and, and that's not David's thing here. His thing is that, you, you know, for the person who's been regenerated and loves the Lord, you're filled with the heart of God and you're filled with compassion for the true needy people. Not the manipulators, not the liars, not the ones who try to deceive, but the true people. Uh, in need, God uh, is blessed and will bless the person who takes care of that. Now we move into the next section here. And I want to spend most of the time in that first one because I think it's important to recognize the grace of God, the blessings upon our lives. But this punishment, verses 5 through 9, of the betrayers. And nobody likes to talk about these guys, but it does hurt. It's very hurtful to have someone slander lie, gossip, and plot against you, and then on top of all that, betray you. I mean, I don't think there's any... that th- Those are really... They leave deep scars upon our souls. And our, you know, if you've ever had a, a friend in the past who, when you really needed him, just bailed out and totally turned on you, that is really hurtful. And... You know, we know what slander is, that you're just mentioning that person by name to bring them harm. You you don't really care about reconciliation. It's just what's being said is there to damage the reputation of that person. And then, of course, lies are, are just this vain thing spoken in a deceptive way. Uh, and, and we know what, what gossip is as well. You know, and just having a casual conversation uh and usually the reports are unsubstantiated, right? Rumors, you know, and, and we just, you know, water cooler talk. Just just walk away from that stuff. Avoid that stuff. Uh, stuff you don't really need to hear, don't need to know about. That's verse 6. And then verse 7 <clears throat> talks about the plotters. Uh, the, you know, they get together. It's usually a person in authority that they don't like or they've done something that's brought them harm or, or so they may think. Uh, maybe in this case, David passed some legislation, you know, and the, you know, well, that wasn't so good, so we just get rid of this guy. We don't like him, you know, and um, and so they don't. They whisper. They 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 they're just trying to figure out a 
way to bring this down, but they don't talk about it openly because they don't want to be revealed for what they are, or they don't want to be contradicted in what they're doing. So they're just they're plotting in the dark, as it were. But then there are those who actually betray. You know, uh, if, again, if you've had someone, a trusted friend, um, they turned on you when you needed them most. Boy, that. That really hurts. I mean, and Jesus is, you think about this, Jesus has experienced all of this. So there's nothing that we could ever go through in our human experience that the Lord himself as a man did not experience. Like, well, Lord, you just don't know what it's like. You can't say that. You can't say that to God. He's been through it all. Now, was David, this is kind of why I lean to the fact that this is probably Ahithophel, that he's has in mind here because Ohithophel, if you read the story, he and, and and I'm not saying that Ohithophel didn't have a right to be upset with David because he did. His granddaughter was Bathsheba. You can look it up. Um and so David killed his granddaughter's husband, Uriah. And he was, you know, part of the cabinet of David's administration. And when David did that, it just totally trashed his relationship with Ohithophel. And rightly so, I get it. But even though God had forgiven David and God was merciful to David, Ohithophel could not bring himself to forgive him, to let him off the hook. And that was a, a I'm sure that was a tough pill to swallow for any anybody. But we are tested in our lives. If we want our sins forgiven, what does the Bible say we have to do? We have to extend forgiveness. If we are unwilling to extend forgiveness, then neither will our sins be forgiven. Ohithophel was not willing to extend that forgiveness to David, even though David was ashamed and repentant and broken uh, over it. Ohithophel wouldn't let him off the hook. And we see his, his activity uh, when he joined forces with Absalom. And he actually gave him the perfect counsel to defeat David. But God in his mercy, because David actually had all these things going for him, because even though he made a mistake and deserved capital punishment, because David's heart was for God, he protected him, he preserved him, and, and delivered him from this situation. He should have died. He should have been executed for his crime. Not only was it, you know, adultery, which is a capital punishment in, in under the law, he committed murder. Two capital crimes, but the reason why David was forgiven is because he owned it. He, I have sinned against God. Confession. Confession and healing always go together. Very much so. And so here, Ohithophel could not, I believe, he wanted to, in fact, he was there to kick David when he was down. And everything that probably happened to David after this, even though he was still in the cabinet, every time David got sick, every time there was something went wrong, he was there to pile on. Maybe not overtly, but at least within his heart. He was, David became his enemy because of, of his sin and what he had done. So, sometimes we can bring some of this betrayal or mistreatment or 
this plotting, gossip. We can bring it upon ourselves. Uh, that's why we should do our best to live moral lives and be honest with ourselves. You know, as David said, keep me from my secret sins, from from those things that will bring great destruction and great harm and pain. God, preserve me from that. I mean, those are the prayers of David. And then finishing up here, 10 through 13, there's, again, David comes through this whole thing. There's a reward for your integrity. You know, sometimes when we go through this, and, and of course, we're, we're always right in our own eyes, right? <laughs> it's just kind of the way we're, we're built. And let's just say that we've put our, our whole being into what we're doing. We have sold out. We've made great sacrifices. We've, we've lost sleep, invested money, and just done the, the best we could, and it doesn't work out the way. It not, doesn't even come close to the expectation expectation that we had towards this thing that we wanted. We have this expectation that, you know, because we're serving God and we're doing His will, that He will bless us every time without fail. And if it doesn't work out, then, you know, we're, we're angry. We're disappointed. And there's hurt there often in the person's life. And, and, and so we have to sort of work through all of that and come to the point where how is it do I think that I deserve this kind of treatment from God? Where is that written? That everything that I do and my great sacrifices should be recompensed by God. When I demand it, you know, I, you know, this is like, an, you know, what, that's the deal, you know, when I gave my life to Jesus, you know. And this is a misunderstanding. It's not there at all. And when you have come through that and learned that lesson, because we all kind of need to learn that lesson, need to grow in our faith. For those who are no longer expecting that, and you realize, you know what? God doesn't owe me anything. He doesn't owe me my next breath, my next meal, my anything. That is really how we should look at our relationship with God. But he does love us, and so he does all those things for us. I just cannot be, have a demanding spirit. And when we have adapted that kind of heart, look at the, the reward. It's mercy. Just a continual expression of God knowing our frame, that we are but dust. We are living in a cursed earth. We have a cursed fallen nature. And we got demonic forces and hellish temptations surrounding us all the while we're walking in this earth. So God gets it. And so therefore he's merciful. Man, am I glad he's merciful. <laughs> Aren't you? In verse 10, there's encouragement there. He'll raise me up. I take that as encouragement. Because I'm telling you, and that's why we come to church in the midweek. That's why we come to church week in and week out. That's why we gather in his name. We need encouragement, whether we think we need it or not. We need to be increased, strengthened. You're gonna come, you probably will be graced tonight without even recognizing it. You're going to leave a little bit better, hopefully, <laughs> than when you came. That's the idea, right? Encouragement, such an important thing. That's why I think it's so counterproductive to, to rail on people. First of all, 
you don't have to tell me when I do something wrong. I've already been arrested and convicted by the Holy Spirit, and there's no need for you to pile on. I remember, and I, I have this, because it's happened to me more than once. Pastor, you're just not hard enough on us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, I'm, how do I respond to that, right? And if you're, what are you, in your church experience, you're used to the pastor whipping you from the pulpit. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you have enough of that. I have enough of that experience throughout the week. I don't need it when I come to church. You need to be told the truth in a very loving and gentle way. Think about how gentle and how kind. When, when the Lord shows us, like, don't do that anymore. And you feel like this tall, right? You are humbled by the conf- confrontation of the Holy Spirit when you read His word. You are like, "Oh!" But think about God doesn't pile on. God doesn't just grind us in it. <laughs> Although we probably sometimes may deserve to have our nose rubbed in it a little bit, He doesn't do that. Let's just not do that anymore. You need to confess and repent. And what does the Bible say about the person who confesses their sin and turns from it? They'll find mercy. You know how important that is. You'll find encouragement. And then victory, really. I love this here, the way he... um, This I know that you are well pleased with me because my enemy does not triumph over me. God will give us victory. You know, God is for us. We're on his side and he is for us. He is not against us. Wow, I just don't know why this nothing goes right for me. God is mad at me. No. It might be other things, but it's not that. And understand that he wants to give us victory. He wants you and I to have success. Good success. What does he tell Joshua? Let's turn there real quick. And I didn't have this in there, but this is for somebody tonight. It may be for me. I don't know. Joshua 1. The keys to success. I don't know about you, but I don't like failing. Oh, yeah. Let's <laughs> this book, verse 8, of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night, and you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now, I wouldn't encourage you to read that whole chapter, but for the sake of time, it's a marker for you and for myself. It is the heart of God. He wants us to succeed. It's because as you take the word in, you learn the heart and mind and the attitude that God has towards things. You have his perspective. He's promised to give you and I wisdom. He's promised to give us the understanding we need. And we're, we're just with... We're without anything that's useful. God will provide all of that for us. That is what the benefit is, staying in the word. And then another reward for that integrity is the grace, sustaining grace. For you uphold me in my integrity. Uphold. He will Maintain you. That's what that's talking about there. The idea of upholding you is maintaining you. And again, that's uh, another expression of God's love for us, his tender love and care. 
okay, I'm just going to put it this way because I love the way this is because I'm kind of a, you know, I like, I like this thought. God has a grip on your life and he is never going to let go. He will never let go. You might try to squeeze, you know, work your way out of his hand. <laughs> Not going to happen. You are in the grip of his love and don't ever forget that. He's never going to let us go. Not only that, not only does he have his grip on us, but he's drawing us into himself. He, we sang it tonight. I think I'm going to have Kathy sing it again. He loves to be near us. He wants to be near us. That's the whole thing that's going on in the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Come into the place, you know, come into the, the only one entrance in, and that's through the door, that's through the Lord, that's through faith, that's through coming through the door, the Lord Jesus. But it's into the present. You deal with sin first. That's what's taking place. All, everything in the outer court is brass, judgment, dealing with sin. But then when we go into the, into the holy place, it's silver and gold. We're talking worship and sacredness. God drawing the people into his heart, into his very presence. But because of our condition, he can't fully express himself. So he's, it's all clouded. It's all covered. And we're all protected from that. You remember when he did show himself on Mount Sinai, they flipped out. Well, that's the end of that little episode. No more scaring the people. It scares us to death. And really, it really did scare them to death. And so... You set, notice what he says there. You set me before your face. That's his presence. That's the face-to-face encounter. Remember the tent of meeting in Moses? He had a relationship with, the, with Yahweh as a friend speaks to a friend face-to-face. That's the kind of thing. Now, I've never seen Jesus. I've never seen God. But I've sensed his presence. I know his presence. And I'm not, it's not so much that I know God. It's, I'm glad that he knows me. That I'm on his side. And not that he's on my side. He's, I'm on his side. And his presence is great. Set me before your face. What a blessedness to be in that position. God has chosen you and me to be right in front of him. To, we're invited into his company. I just think that's amazing. The God, the most humble of all beings would invite you and me into his, his very presence. I, I just think that's a wonderful thought. You know, some people, humble people are normally overlooked. You do, you know, we overlook this characteristic about God a lot. And Kathy and I were talking about this morning, and I every time I read it or think about it, I always mention it. So I'm going to mention it here. In the first chapter of Genesis, you know, God's pretty... He's pretty stoked over his creation. You kind of know that, right? Like, like it's good. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty how he states it. And then when Job gets into trouble and he's suffering, God, to bring him through his issues, he takes him on a tour through creation. There's something about us looking at creation will bring healing in a perspective that we can't have otherwise. But in the first chapter of Genesis, it says, and he made the stars. I want you to think about just how humble of a statement that is. If we, and we believe this, at least this is what the telescopes tell us when we look through them, or the scientists who have developed them, we see billions and billions and billions of stars 
that represent billions and billions of galaxies. Now, you and I would not say it like that, I'm pretty sure. Hey, look what I made. There's billions and billions and billions of galaxies and stars out there. Isn't it cool? No, God just says, and he made the stars. That's how he wanted it written. Okay. That should just blow your mind. It blows my mind. How humble, that he's humble enough. And this is another expression, that he would bring you and I into his very presence and make company with us. And so that's how David ends here. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He worships. And that's how I want to close tonight. So if you'll, you can sing those same songs over again. It'd be great with me. Whatever you think. <laughs> Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. And we want to kneel before you, Lord, in worship and praise. From our hearts, we bow. We reverence you, Lord. You are awesome. And we love you tonight, Lord. Receive our praise in Jesus' name.